Part two, chapter five of the idiot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. The idiot by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Eva M. Martin. Part two, chapter five. It was late now, nearly half past two and the prince did not find general epanchin at home he left a card and determined to look up kolya who had a room at a small hotel near kolya was not in but he was informed that he might be back shortly and had left word that if he were not in by half-past three it was to be understood that he had gone to pavlovsk to general epanchin's and would dine there the prince decided to wait till half-past three and ordered some dinner at half-past three there was no sign of kolya the prince waited until four o'clock and then strolled off mechanically wherever his feet should carry him in early summer there are often magnificent days in st petersburg bright hot and still this happened to be such a day for some time the prince wandered about without aim or object he did not know the town well he stopped to look about him on bridges at street corners he entered a confectioner's shop to rest once he was in a state of nervous excitement and perturbation he noticed nothing and no one and he felt a craving for solitude to be alone with his thoughts and his emotions and to give himself up to them passively he loathed the idea of trying to answer the questions that would rise up in his heart and mind i am not to blame for all this he thought to himself half unconsciously towards six o'clock he found himself at the station of the Tsarskoselsky railway. He was tired of solitude now. A new rush of feeling took hold of him, and a flood of light chased away the gloom for a moment from his soul. He took a ticket to Pavlovsk, and determined to get there as fast as he could, but something stopped him a reality and not a fantasy as he was inclined to think it he was about to take his place in a carriage when he suddenly threw away his ticket and came out again disturbed and thoughtful a few moments later in the street he recalled something that had bothered him all the afternoon he caught himself engaged in a strange occupation which he now recollected he had taken up at odd moments for the last few hours it was looking about all around him for something he did not know what he had forgotten it for a while half an hour or so and now suddenly the uneasy search had recommenced but he had hardly become conscious of this curious phenomenon when another recollection suddenly swam through his brain interesting him for the moment exceedingly 
he remembered that the last time he had been engaged in looking around him for the unknown something he was standing before a cutler's shop in the window of which were exposed certain goods for sale he was extremely anxious now to discover whether this shop and these goods really existed or whether the whole thing had been a hallucination he felt in a very curious condition today a condition similar to that which had preceded his fits in bygone years he remembered that at such times he had been particularly absent-minded and could not discriminate between objects and persons unless he concentrated special attention upon them he remembered seeing something in the window marked at sixty kopecks therefore if the shop existed and if this object were really in the window it would prove that he had been able to concentrate his attention on this article at a moment when as a general rule his absence of mind would have been too great to admit of any such concentration in fact very shortly after he had left the railway station in such a state of agitation so he walked back looking about him for the shop and his heart beat with intolerable impatience ah here was the very shop and there was the article marked sixty cop of course it's sixty kopecks he thought and certainly worth no more this idea amused him and he laughed but it was a hysterical laugh he was feeling terribly oppressed he remembered clearly that just here standing before this window he had suddenly turned round just as earlier in the day he had turned and found the dreadful eyes of rogozhin fixed upon him convinced therefore that in this respect at all events he had been under no delusion he left the shop and went on this must be thought out it was clear that there had been no hallucination at the station then either something had actually happened to him on both occasions there was no doubt of it but again a loathing for all mental exertion overmastered him he would not think it out now he would put it off and think of something else he remembered that during his epileptic fits or rather immediately preceding them he had always experienced a moment or two when his whole heart and mind and body seemed to wake up to vigour and light when he became filled with joy and hope and all his anxieties seemed to be swept away for ever these moments were but presentiments as it were of the one final second it was never more than a second in which the fit came upon him that second of course was inexpressible when his attack was over and the prince reflected on his symptoms he used to say to himself these moments short as they are when i feel such extreme consciousness of myself and consequently more of life than at other times 
are due only to the disease to the sudden rupture of normal conditions therefore they are not really a higher kind of life but a lower this reasoning however seemed to end in a paradox and lead to the further consideration what matter though it be only disease an abnormal tension of the brain if when i recall and analyze the moment it seems to have been one of harmony and beauty in the highest degree an instant of deepest sensation overflowing with unbounded joy and rapture ecstatic devotion and completest life vague though this sounds it was perfectly comprehensible to muishkin though he knew that it was but a feeble expression of his sensations that there was indeed beauty and harmony in those abnormal moments that they really contained the highest synthesis of life he could not doubt nor even admit the possibility of doubt he felt that they were not analogous to the fantastic and unreal dreams due to intoxication by hashish opium or wine of that he could judge when the attack was over these instants were characterized to define it in a word by an intense quickening of the sense of personality since in the last conscious moment preceding the attack he could say to himself with full understanding of his words i would give my whole life for this one instant then doubtless to him it really was worth a lifetime for the rest he thought the dialectical part of the argument of little worth he saw only too clearly that the result of these ecstatic moments was stupefaction mental darkness idiocy no argument was possible on that point his conclusion his estimate of the moment doubtless contained some error yet the reality of the sensation troubled him what's more unanswerable than a fact and this fact had occurred the prince had confessed unreservedly to himself that the feeling of intense beatitude in that crowded moment made the moment worth a lifetime i feel then he said one day to rogozhin in moscow i feel then as if i had understood those amazing words there shall be no more time and he added with a smile no doubt the epileptic mohammed refers to that same moment when he says that he visited all the dwellings of allah in less time than was needed to empty his pitcher of water yes he had often met rogozhin in moscow and many were the subjects they discussed he told me i had been a brother to him thought the prince he said so to-day for the first time he was sitting in the summer garden on a seat under a tree and his mind dwelt on the matter it was about seven o'clock and the place was empty the stifling atmosphere foretold a storm 
and the prince felt a certain charm in the contemplative mood which possessed him he found pleasure too in gazing at the exterior objects around him all the time he was trying to forget some thing to escape from some idea that haunted him but melancholy thoughts came back though he would so willingly have escaped from them he remembered suddenly how he had been talking to the waiter while he dined about a recently committed murder which the whole town was discussing and as he thought of it something strange came over him he was seized all at once by a violent desire almost a temptation against which he strove in vain he jumped up and walked off as fast as he could towards the petersburg side he had asked someone a little while before to show him which was the petersburg side on the banks of the neva he had not gone there however and he knew very well that it was of no use to go now for he would certainly not find lebedeff's relation at home he had the address but she must certainly have gone to pavlovsk or kolya would have let him know if he were to go now it would merely be out of curiosity but a sudden new idea had come into his head however it was something to move on and know where he was going a minute later he was still moving on but without knowing anything he could no longer think out his new idea he tried to take an interest in all he saw in the sky in the neva he spoke to some children he met he felt his epileptic condition becoming more and more developed the evening was very close thunder was heard some way off the prince was haunted all that day by the face of lebedeff's nephew whom he had seen for the first time that morning just as one is haunted at times by some persistent musical refrain by a curious association of ideas the young man always appeared as the murderer of whom lebedeff had spoken when introducing him to muishkin yes he had read something about the murder and that quite recently since he came to russia he had heard many stories of this kind and was interested in them his conversation with the waiter an hour ago chanced to be on the subject of this murder of the zemarines and the latter had agreed with him about it he thought of the waiter again and decided that he was no fool but a steady intelligent man though said he to himself god knows what he may really be in a country with which one is unfamiliar it is difficult to understand the people one meets he was beginning to have a passionate faith in the russian soul however and what discoveries he had made in the last six months what unexpected discoveries but every soul is a mystery and depths of mystery lie in the soul of a russian he had been intimate with rogozhin for example and a brotherly friendship had sprung up between them yet did he really know him 
what chaos and ugliness fills the world at times what a self-satisfied rascal is that nephew of lebedeff's but what am i thinking continued the prince to himself can he really have committed that crime did he kill those six persons i seem to be confusing things how strange it all is my head goes round and lebedeff's daughter how sympathetic and charming her face was as she held the child in her arms what an innocent look and childlike laugh she had it is curious that i had forgotten her until now i expect lebedeff adores her and i really believe when i think of it that as sure as two and two make four he is fond of that nephew too well why should he judge them so hastily could he really say what they were after one short visit even lebedeff seemed an enigma to-day did he expect to find him so he had never seen him like that before lebedeff and the comtesse du barry good heavens if rogozhin should really kill someone it would not at any rate be such a senseless chaotic affair a knife made to a special pattern and six people killed in a kind of delirium but rogozhin also had a knife made to a special pattern can it be that rogozhin wishes to murder anyone the prince began to tremble violently it is a crime on my part to imagine anything so base with such cynical frankness his face reddened with shame at the thought and then there came across him as in a flash the memory of the incidents at the pavlovsk station and at the other station in the morning and the question asked him by rogozhin about the eyes and rogozhin's cross that he was even now wearing and the benediction of rogozhin's mother and his embrace on the darkened staircase that last supreme renunciation and now to find himself full of this new idea staring into shop windows and looking round for things how base he was despair overmastered his soul he would not go on he would go back to his hotel he even turned and went the other way but a moment after he changed his mind again and went on in the old direction why here he was on the petersburg side already quite close to the house where was his idea he was marching along without it now yes his malady was coming back it was clear enough all this gloom and heaviness all these ideas were nothing more nor less than a fit coming on perhaps he would have a fit this very day but just now all the gloom and darkness had fled his heart felt full of joy and hope there was no such thing as doubt and yes he hadn't seen her for so long he really must see her 
he wished he could meet rogozhin he would take his hand and they would go to her together his heart was pure he was no rival of parfion's to-morrow he would go and tell him that he had seen her why he had only come for the sole purpose of seeing her all the way from moscow perhaps she might be here still who knows she might not have gone away to pavlovsk yet yes all this must be put straight and above board there must be no more passionate renouncements such as rogozhin's it must all be clear as day cannot rogozhin's soul bear the light he said he did not love her with sympathy and pity true he added that your pity is greater than my love but he was not quite fair on himself there kin rogozhin reading a book wasn't that sympathy beginning did it not show that he comprehended his relations with her and his story of waiting day and night for her forgiveness that didn't look quite like passion alone and as to her face could it inspire nothing but passion could her face inspire passion at all now oh it inspired suffering grief overwhelming grief of the soul a poignant agonizing memory swept over the prince's heart yes agonizing he remembered how he had suffered that first day when he thought he observed in her the symptoms of madness he had almost fallen into despair how could he have lost his hold upon her when she ran away from him to rogozhin he ought to have run after her himself rather than wait for news as he had done can rogozhin have failed to observe up to now that she is mad rogozhin attributes her strangeness to other causes to passion what insane jealousy what was it he had hinted at in that suggestion of his the prince suddenly blushed and shuddered to his very heart but why recall all this there was insanity on both sides for him the prince to love this woman with passion was unthinkable it would be cruel and inhuman yes rogozhin is not fair to himself he has a large heart he has aptitude for sympathy when he learns the truth and finds what a pitiable being is this injured broken half insane creature he will forgive her all the torments she has caused him he will become her slave her brother her friend compassion will teach even rogozhin it will show him how to reason compassion is the chief law of human existence oh how guilty he felt towards rogozhin and for a few warm hasty words spoken in moscow parfion had called him brother while he but no this was delirium 
it would come all right that gloomy parfion had implied that his faith was waning he must suffer dreadfully he said he liked to look at that picture it was not that he liked it but he felt the need of looking at it rogozhin was not merely a passionate soul he was a fighter he was fighting for the restoration of his dying faith he must have something to hold on to and believe and someone to believe in what a strange picture that of holbein is why this is the street and here's the house number sixteen the prince rang the bell and asked for nastasia filipovna the lady of the house came out and stated that nastasia had gone to stay with daria alexeyevna at pavlovsk and might be there some days madame filisov was a little woman of forty with a cunning face and crafty piercing eyes when with an air of mystery she asked her visitor's name he refused at first to answer but in a moment he changed his mind and left strict instructions that it should be given to nastasia filipovna the urgency of his request seemed to impress madame filisov and she put on a knowing expression as if to say you need not be afraid i quite understand the prince's name evidently was a great surprise to her he stood and looked absently at her for a moment then turned and took the road back to his hotel but he went away not as he came a great change had suddenly come over him he went blindly forward his knees shook under him he was tormented by ideas his lips were blue and trembled with a feeble meaningless smile his demon was upon him once more what had happened to him why was his brow clammy with drops of moisture his knees shaking beneath him and his soul oppressed with a cold gloom was it because he had just seen those dreadful eyes again why he had left the summer garden on purpose to see them that had been his idea he had wished to assure himself that he would see them once more at that house then why was he so overwhelmed now having seen them as he expected just as though he had not expected to see them yes they were the very same eyes and no doubt about it the same that he had seen in the crowd that morning at the station, the same that he had surprised in Rogozhin's rooms some hours later when the latter had replied to his inquiry with a sneering laugh. Well, whose eyes were they? Then for the third time they had appeared just as he was getting into the train on his way to see Aglaya. He had had a strong impulse to rush up to Rogozhin and repeat his words of the morning. Whose eyes are they? Instead he had fled from the station, and knew nothing more, until he found himself gazing into the window of a cutler's shop, 
and wondering if a knife with a stag-horn handle would cost more than sixty kopecks and as the prince sat dreaming in the summer garden under a lime-tree a wicked demon had come and whispered in his ear rogozhin has been spying upon you and watching you all the morning in a frenzy of desperation when he finds you have not gone to pavlovsk a terrible discovery for him he will surely go at once to that house in petersburg side and watch for you there although only this morning you gave your word of honour not to see her and swore that you had not come to petersburg for that purpose and thereupon the prince had hastened off to that house and what was there in the fact that he had met rogozhin there he had only seen a wretched suffering creature whose state of mind was gloomy and miserable but most comprehensible in the morning rogozhin had seemed to be trying to keep out of the way but at the station this afternoon he had stood out he had concealed himself indeed less than the prince himself at the house now he had stood fifty yards off on the other side of the road with folded hands watching plainly in view and apparently desirous of being seen he had stood there like an accuser like a judge not like a what and why had not the prince approached him and spoken to him instead of turning away and pretending he had seen nothing although their eyes met yes their eyes had met and they had looked at each other why he had himself wished to take rogozhin by the hand and go in together he had himself determined to go to him on the morrow and to tell him that he had seen her he had repudiated the demon as he walked to the house and his heart had been full of joy was there something in the whole aspect of the man to-day sufficient to justify the prince's terror and the awful suspicions of his demon something seen but indescribable which filled him with dreadful presentiments yes he was convinced of it convinced of what oh how mean and hideous of him to feel this conviction this presentiment how he blamed himself for it speak if you dare and tell me what is the presentiment he repeated to himself over and over again put it into words speak out clearly and distinctly oh miserable coward that i am the prince flushed with shame for his own baseness how shall i ever look this man in the face again my god what a day and what a nightmare what a nightmare there was a moment during this long wretched walk back from the petersburg side when the prince felt an irresistible desire to go straight to rogozhin's wait for him embrace him with tears of shame and contrition and tell him of his distrust and finish with it 
once for all but here he was back at his hotel how often during the day he had thought of this hotel with loathing its corridor its rooms its stairs how he had dreaded coming back to it for some reason what a regular old woman i am today he had said to himself each time with annoyance i believe in every foolish presentiment that comes into my head he stopped for a moment at the door a great flush of shame came over him i am a coward a wretched coward he said and moved forward again but once more he paused among all the incidents of the day one recurred to his mind to the exclusion of the rest although now that his self-control was regained and he was no longer under the influence of a nightmare he was able to think of it calmly it concerned the knife on rogozhin's table why should not rogozhin have as many knives on his table as he chooses thought the prince wondering at his suspicions as he had done when he found himself looking into the cutler's window what could it have to do with me he said to himself again and stopped as if rooted to the ground by a kind of paralysis of limb such as attacks people under the stress of some humiliating recollection the doorway was dark and gloomy at any time but just at this moment it was rendered doubly so by the fact that the thunderstorm had just broken and the rain was coming down in torrents and in the semi-darkness the prince distinguished a man standing close to the stairs apparently waiting there was nothing particularly significant in the fact that a man was standing back in the doorway waiting to come out or go upstairs but the prince felt an irresistible conviction that he knew this man and that it was rogozhin the man moved on up the stairs a moment later the prince passed up them too his heart froze within him in a minute or two i shall know all he thought the staircase led to the first and second corridors of the hotel along which lay the guests bedrooms as is often the case in petersburg houses it was narrow and very dark and turned around a massive stone column on the first landing which was as small as the necessary turn of the stairs allowed there was a niche in the column about half a yard wide and in this niche the prince felt convinced that a man stood concealed he thought he could distinguish a figure standing there he would pass by quickly and not look he took a step forward but could bear the uncertainty no longer and turned his head the eyes the same two eyes met his the man concealed in the niche had also taken a step forward for one second they stood face to face suddenly the prince caught the man by the shoulder and twisted him round towards the light so that he might see his face more clearly 
Rogozhin's eyes flashed, and a smile of insanity distorted his countenance. His right hand was raised, and something glittered in it. The prince did not think of trying to stop it. All he could remember afterwards was that he seemed to have called out. Parfion, I won't believe it! Next moment something appeared to burst open before him. A wonderful inner light illuminated his soul. This lasted perhaps half a second, yet he distinctly remembered hearing the beginning of the wail, the strange dreadful wail, which burst from his lips of its own accord, and which no effort of will on his part could suppress. Next moment he was absolutely unconscious. Black darkness blotted out everything. He had fallen in an epileptic fit. As is well known, these fits occur instantaneously. The face, especially the eyes, become terribly disfigured. Convulsions seize the limbs. A terrible cry breaks from the sufferer. A wail, from which everything human seems to be blotted out, so that it is impossible to believe that the man who has just fallen is the same who emitted the dreadful cry. It seems more as though some other being inside the stricken one had cried. Many people have borne witness to this impression, and many cannot behold an epileptic fit without a feeling of mysterious terror and dread. Such a feeling, we must suppose, overtook Rogozhin at this moment, and saved the prince's life. Not knowing that it was a fit, and seeing his victim disappear head foremost into the darkness, hearing his head strike the stone steps below with a crash, Rogozhin rushed downstairs, skirting the body, and flung himself headlong out of the hotel, like a raving madman. The prince's body slipped convulsively down the steps till it rested at the bottom. Very soon, in five minutes or so, he was discovered, and a crowd collected around him. A pool of blood on the steps near his head gave rise to grave fears. Was it a case of accident, or had there been a crime? It was, however, soon recognised as a case of epilepsy, and identification and proper measures for restoration followed one another, owing to a fortunate circumstance. Kolya Ivolgin had come back to his hotel about seven o'clock, owing to a sudden impulse which made him refuse to dine at the Yapanchins, and, finding a note from the prince awaiting him, had sped away to the latter's address. Arrived there, he ordered a cup of tea and sat sipping it in the coffee-room. While there, he heard excited whispers of someone just found at the bottom of the stairs in a fit, upon which he had hurried to the spot with a presentiment of evil, and at once recognised the prince. The sufferer was immediately taken to his room, and though he partially regained consciousness, 
he lay long in a semi-dazed condition the doctor stated that there was no danger to be apprehended from the wound on the head and as soon as the prince could understand what was going on around him colia hired a carriage and took him away to lebedeff's there he was received with much cordiality and the departure to the country was hastened on his account three days later they were all at pavlovsk end of part two chapter five Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.